Inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud and iTunes. You know the drill. I get people from all walks of life, roast battle people, musicians, comics, actors. I think I even had a porn star on here once. Now I have a man. I don't have many paid regulars at the comedy store on this podcast. There's not very many because they're all busy. And this man, I... This man is a very busy dude, so I'm honored to have him here. We've never met, and if you're a paid regular at the comedy store, it's like a gang, and he was passed by Mitzi, so I'm honored to have him here. We're going to get into his fascinating career, but let me tell you who he is first. Mr. Jason Stewart. Oh, here's my, here's my mic. What's up? I have to be told to pick up the mic, huh? Well, you know, it Who knows was that I be of all people, right? It was kind of laying there incognito. Yes. Um, it's an honor to finally meet you. Well, that's very kind. I find the best uh, episodes are the ones that where I've never met the person. Oh, cool! And it's like a, almost an awkward, like, okay, I just met this guy a minute ago. Why is he asking me these questions? I'm used to it. When were you passed at the comedy store? Uh... Oh, that's up for debate. I know it was, <laughs> you think I would remember because I think it took me a long time. I started comedy in 1983 in May and I followed Damon Wayans. He was chosen to be a regular and I was chosen to be a non-paid showcasing regular, which meant if I could get someone to come and see me, I could get a spot for free. And it took me quite a lot. I was never one of Mitzi's favorites. And how do you know that? Well, because she never really uh, um, took me into her inner circle. You know, I know my friends Karen Haber and other people who, uh, Vicky Barbala, uh, they, you know, who certainly Argus, so many people that she loved. She put me into a, uh, a sketch group called the Gooseberries with Dana Gillette and Daly Pike. I was in another group that they tried to. Uh, do a uh, it was all guys who did jokes about their mother and it was called mahjong and we were trying to do a play about it so i was put so i think i was on her mind um is that you or me that's me oh, okay i have apple products oh and to this day i don't know how to turn them off it's a little thing on the side you just put silent <laughs> well i'm not the smartest i never said i was the smartest paid You're handsome so you don't have to be smart you had me at handsome. Uh, uh, so, because I don't I'm think. I'm thinking that I joined. I think I got into the comedy store. I'm thinking. I think it was when I did Star Search, which is 1986. So you were like, I don't think people understand. Uh, audition for Mitzi in the 80s was like the pinnacle of her. Yeah, but I didn't really know anything. So it, you, you're talking from your point of view. Am I still on camera? Just, oh, yeah. So I'm just, just trying to move back. follow your um, lead and turn off things. I'm just, um, uh, I, you know, at the, it, 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 I was just doing another podcast today, just by coincidence. And people make, the, the newer comics make such a big deal about this. I didn't know anything. You know, I didn't want to be a comedian. It wasn't something that I strived to be. I wanted to be an actor. That's all I wanted to do when I, from a very young age. And I had a manager, Catherine James, 
C-A-T-H-R-Y-N-J-A-Y-M-E-S, who uh, I actually had to work part-time for her to represent me. And uh, she represented uh, Randy and Candy Bruff from BJ and the Bear. Oh, my God. And uh, this guy, JW, was on Young and Restless, who she was having, who she lived with. And uh, um, EJ Peeker from Hello, Dolly. So I was in. I mean, BJ and the Bear. Thank you, Craig Abigan. Ron Gilbert and a couple other people. And I really wanted, you know, to have an acting career and I wanted to be on a TV show. And I saw myself in those days as Richard Thomas on the Waltons. (laughs) I thought that I was this deep, sensitive kid. So, and, you know, Timothy Hutton and Ordinary People was my man. You know, that was, that's who I wanted to go to, to that place. So, but I was funny and goofy and scared and, and funny in a sort of scared way all the time. And she thought I was really funny. And she said, go to the comedy store. I'm going to get you an audition. And I did. And that was what happened. And I didn't really want to be a comedian. So I said, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to make a rule that I go up three times a week, no matter what. And in those days, they didn't have that many places to go up. First place I went up was the comedy store. Second place was the improv. And I followed Billy Crystal. Bombed terribly. And I'd done the comedy store, did really well before. And then, because I was scared. And then the third place was uh, Maggio's uh, Italian restaurant. And the fourth place was the Laugh Factory. And that's when it was only a bowling alley. It was half. It was only half of it. The big big main room that's there wasn't there. And the comedy, and the, you know where the bar is in the back? That's yeah. where the stage was. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And how did you, what were your interactions with Jamie? Because he's... Uh... He could barely speak English. I mean, <laughs> he had just been from Israel. He was an actor, part-time actor. He was on Too Close for Comfort recurring as this. Really? Yeah. And he, uh, I've known him since, I think it was the third year the place was open, I think, maybe. I was one of the original regulars there. And you know, I was just, it wasn't like I passed. I was just in. He thought I was funny and he let me come back and I worked there. That was it. Because he's almost as controversial a figure as Mitzi in terms of, you're either in with them or you're out. You're not. Well, there's A and B people. Right. I mean, I had an interesting experience with them. But, but How long have you been doing comedy? Almost 20 years. 30, it'll be 35 for me. I mean, that's crazy. 25 for being out. Right, because uh, for those of you who don't know, Jason is gay. Open, yeah, I came out 25 years ago on the Geraldo show in June of 93, and this is sort of my anniversary year for the next year. And back then, I mean, I always make this joke when I was a kid. You didn't know uh, if you were gay and a celebrity, you had to kind of keep it. You didn't have, kind of, you had to. Are you kidding me? But I mean, like looking back, like I didn't know Paul Lynn was gay. Yeah. Well, Jim J. Bullock, speaking to Too Close for The comfort. last of those what I call neutered gays. And Jim's a friend of mine. Oh, I love him. And I saw uh, um, Paul Lynn three times the, in a week. The week he died, I didn't know him. I saw him once at the cleaners. I saw him once making a left turn on Doheny and Sunset. And then I saw him once uh, driving on Santa Monica when I was driving. I saw him three times in a week. It was sort of crazy. And then he died. I mean, he was just so funny to me. Like, that's my sense of humor. That Oh, really? Know, dr- very dry and sarcastic. and uh, But, you know, they... They sort of... That kind of character 
ceased to exist after the Jim J. Bullock. He was one of the last ones to do that. Right. I even knew Ken Ulfman, who used to be on the Nancy Walker show. Oh, wow. You don't know who he is, do you? Uh, I mean, I know of he, him. He was, I think, I believe that he was the first open out gay man playing a gay man on television. Nancy Walker had a sitcom called The Nancy Walker Show where she played an agent and he was her secretary. And this guy was into me and I had no idea. And then after a while I got it and I was in the closet. I remember, God, oh my God. I think I was 21 when I met him. And uh, I had no idea, you know, because I didn't know, you know, you're straight, I'm guessing. hundred percent, but I'm, uh, oh. if you live on Larrabee, you're good with I all. Know. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Cause I don't know anything. I throw a straight vibe off. Most people guess. Right I don't away. know. I don't guess. Who knows? I don't guess with anybody anymore. But um, in those days, there was no way of really knowing how to facilitate dating or I, there was, I, I didn't have anybody to show me anything. So I really didn't know what was going on most of the time. So most of the time, if anybody, anything gay would come up, I would just pretend like I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> now, because uh, everything was separate, you know. Well, had you been with women? Like, a girlfriend from the time I was 16 till I was 21, on and off. And then was it just... Uh, and I dated other women. At what point did you start to put it together? Oh, I, I think I like guys more than girls, or was it... Oh, I don't think there was ever a point that I put it together. I always knew. See, straight people always come from their point of view. But like, I you, never thought I was straight. Oh, ever. but were you dating women to go, uh, maybe I can not force myself to be oh, straight? Oh, yeah, it was but, like a job. <laughs> so you got that right. Yeah, it was like a job, you know. Full time. Yeah, and I had to, you know, to learn how to do to do all that. It was very, very uh, difficult. <laughs> and then what was the, uh, I guess, tipping point of saying, I'm, I'm going all in, I'm out uh, and... You know what's so funny is at the time, I remember calling the Suicide Prevention Center. And I remember calling them because I thought that I didn't have any money. And I was I was 21 years old. And I think I was living in my one-room apartment on Burnside Avenue where I washed my dishes in the shower. And I remember um, it was a, called a bachelor apartment. And it was like I was a bachelor. <laughs> you know. And I remember being so you know, depressed about this and trying to figure out how not to, you know, uh, try to meet men for sex and get caught. And I had had, uh, I think it, it was right around the time that I, uh, right before I met my first boyfriend, maybe I was 20, my first boyfriend, Frank. Um, and I remember I called and, uh, I do think that I wanted to kill myself, but I didn't I didn't think of it that way at the time. But I did call the Suicide Prevention Center. So it was sort of a cry for help in a way. Because I couldn't see it. I could not see myself living as a gay person because I didn't know what that would be like. And I mean... Was it hard to be uh, gay and like try and get straight roles? I mean, were you afraid of that? Like, oh, the, you keep talking again like this is tw tw 2018. It wasn't like that. There were no gay roles. And the only gay roles there were, it was somebody that got killed or somebody, something terrible would happen to them or they were ridiculed or they barely existed. And the, what I call the pansies, the kind of, you know, Paul Lynn played a, uh, on his first TV series, he played a married guy with children. 
Right. He became famous for playing the dad in Bye Bye Birdie on Broadway. So this idea that you guys have that he was out, he was never out until he started going to Hollywood Squares. And then, but he never said he was gay. And he never, ever said that he liked men. Ever. Ever in public. Neither did Charles Nelson Riley. Neither did, you know, any of those guys. Which, like... Rip Taylor never said it until years and years later. And he's, you know, pretty old right now. I think there's a documentary that's being done about him. I actually either called him on the phone or I talked to him on the email. I can't remember. And I said I would be happy to be in the documentary. He said, oh, God, I wish I would have known. You know, I would have had you, you know, you know, because I... I have an interesting story about a show that we were up against each other. It was so strange. And uh, he uh, he was one of the last of that kind to still be alive, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I, get, you know, I used to see Charles Nelson Riley around here. And oh, did you? Did he live in the state? Yeah, I would see him at uh, the super pavilions. I know people are probably going, what the, what the hell are they talking about a supermarket for? But, like, he didn't look too well. But, like. Well, he's pretty old when you Yeah, at that time, yeah. yeah. So, I, but you know, I never as a kid and even a young teenager. Well, because you didn't have a reference for it. Yeah, I mean, and if you don't have a reference for something, it doesn't exist. And if you don't see, you know, if like you say, this you have a fireplace here. If you, if I've never seen a fireplace, how am I going to know how to that it's right. wood? I, I don't know what wood is. I don't know what matches are. You know, how do I do that? If it's just oh, but I love fireplaces. God, they're sexy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So how do you you don't have a you don't have a reference for it? Because like looking back now, I, I watched old episodes of Match Game, which I watched as a kid. Was it's on the Game Show Network? I actually did Match Game. Really? Uh, I was a celebrity panelist. It was the first time I ever was a panelist. Celebrity panelist was on Match Game in 1993. Was Gene Rayburn still the host? Uh huh. Yeah. But like, no, no. It was uh, the guy from. Um, oh God, he was. He also had a show in Seattle, which I had done. I forgot his name. I'll, I'll, it'll come to me. But Ross like, Ross Schaefer. Oh, okay. He also had his own talk show for a year before that. I can't remember him. He's sort of handsome guy, very 80s looking with layered hair, you know. Oh, the 80s were the best. Oh, maybe for you. Ugh. I still live in them. I never want to go back. What, do, oh, do you don't uh, look fondly on these? See, I love them. Just the the music, the the yeah. action movies, the hair, the action movies, the closets, you know, <laughs> Dynasty, yeah. Dallas, bad acting, bad president. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, uh, was not our best time. Well, I just it's uh, where everything changed is where we st- it's where politically things changed. It's where the Republicans completely changed. Yeah, I mean Reagan uh, kind of came on. Uh, yeah, I mean, when you look at Nixon and what he did, it seems like nothing compared to what's happening now. Oh my God! I mean, yeah, at least he 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 had, he had great foreign. He was a great foreign uh, diplomacy guy with China, and he did he he did a lot of great things in terms of uh, you know Europe and different things. But you know, though he he so what he listened to people's phone calls. <laughs> I mean, you know, compared to what's going on now. But I mean, I think every president does that shit. Probably. Yeah. And other than Nixon, was a, there's a, a special on uh, cable now. I think it's on Showtime or HBO. And you hear him. He was pretty racist, pretty sexist. Yeah. So I, mean, I take that back. Nixon was pretty much a prick. But I would probably say most presidents are probably racist. You don't. Uh, no, I think he really was. But I he mean, was also on the House of Un American uh, Activities Committee, too. I think Nixon was. I, I mean, I don't. Uh... 
you know, Trump got into trouble recently for uh, recently got into trouble. Well, I mean, you know, it's by an hourly basis. Yeah, but, and, uh, and this with this week. This is. I mean, I've never seen uh, in my lifetime. I hear that every day. Don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Something uh, every days up to something. Yeah. But uh, you know, twenty twenty will be interesting because I still say he's going to win unless the Democrats. Oh, I, I think I think we got some people. I think they Beto, better hurry. I think Beto is going to run. He's a good-looking guy. I, yeah, I think the, you have to throw someone against. I think Beto's going to, or Elizabeth Warren, or uh, you know, I think we got. I think I think it's going to be Beto. I don't know why. I mean, I don't think Cory Booker I, maybe is a vice. Elizabeth Warren is a vice. Be interesting, you know. I mean, I really think you have to throw someone against him who's good-looking because he's a bully, and that's his thing. Oh yeah, and somebody who does not get ruffled yeah and cory booker elizabeth warren beto they do not get ruffled but i think warren would and he also he's becoming such a joke now he's and he you know he'll be two years older so you know let's see if he can keep it together he looks like he's unraveling every day oh he uh but i think warren would fall into his he's very good at baiting people into the oh i don't think she she no one messes with her i think he would I don't. He. She. He. He's. He's been doing it to her for years. The Pocahontas stuff. The, you know. I think you need a younger. I think like the people Be- may Beto, need somebody. I think to get the younger vote, we may need somebody younger. And Beto's only forty six. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think uh, Kamala Harris. I know people are trying she, to push. Forgot about her. Yeah, she's also. She would be. She. You know. She. She might. She's pretty young too. But I think. You need someone who's as good looking as Beto. She's gorgeous. Um, but I think Trump struggles against people who are like super good looking that he can't bully and just saying, look at that face. Right. Or you're ugly. I mean, he'll like, find something to say. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, your tits are small. <laughs> How could you run the country? <laughs> uh, but I mean, I can't wait because it's going to be like pro wrestling. Uh, yeah, I could, I could deal with not another. I could deal with not having another, you know. I'm exhausted. I mean, this is two years in. We got at least another two years. He's fired, or people have quit. I think it's close to 100 people in the in the in the, the last two years. Reagan, who is the second highest, was in the late 30s of people that he fired or quit in over in eight years. Yeah, even Bush didn't. Uh, no, he didn't fire many people. No, I think Bush likes to pretty much keep it going and i remember you know people say well he may be doing some good things for us and stuff i think yeah but do you remember the famous quote that lillian hellman did in front of the house of un-american activities committee she said lillian hellman the playwright right yeah she said um i will not cut my conscience to fit this year's fashions and i love that and i know people who've gotten saying well i'm getting money back for my taxes and you know this and that and i'm thinking to myself yeah but what 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 is the what, what are we suffering from it? You know, you're going to be paying for it at the gas pump. You're going to be paying for it when you lose your stocks because they're going down again. You're going to be paying for it, you know, in terms of our, I don't know about you, I spent the last two weeks, if anybody hears me, who can't see me, I'm so congested. I've just went to get antibiotics and eye drops and because my, my whole face has been so, from the fires that we've had here, oh. I can't breathe. And I'm, I'm, I don't know if you can, is it noticeable? I don't know. Do I look? If you would have not said anything, I wouldn't have noticed, but I'm an idiot. So, uh huh. So, I mean, it's really starting to completely overtake us what's going on. So, I don't see it as a joke anymore. I can't joke about it as much. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the first year or two is like, oh, this is kind of like an episode of The Apprentice. You know, he's firing this guy. Never liked the show. I, full disclosure, watched it. I love, pardon my language, shitty reality TV because it yeah, makes I myself know. feel better about myself. Um, it's too much good television now. The competition is just, I mean, man, there's such great television on. Yeah, I mean, uh, Netflix is. Uh, Netflix, FX, HBO, Showtime, Hulu. I mean, dear God. I mean, good shows are good. Everywhere. Just, I'm just amazed. But there's also, I get overwhelmed. Like, I watch things and I like to watch it all at once. And then I'm on to the next thing. I prefer that. So you're a binge watcher. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Because you're doing so much comedy, you have to have, I don't think. I don't do as much stand-up as I do acting now. I'm much more into acting. But I, the weirdest thing happens. So one of the kids that I mentor gave me a list of all these comedy festivals. And I submitted myself to uh, around 10 of them. And I got a couple of people calling me, wanting me to be in the comedy festivals. And they, but then they want you to go there for free. Yeah. And I said, no, I can't do this. But there was one that was close in Joshua Tree, and I've always wanted to go. So I went to Joshua Tree, and I thought I'm just one of the comedians in the comedy festival. So I went, I did it, and then they told me this is a contest. I thought, oh God, I've been at a contest in Star Search, you know, in the 80s. And um, I didn't know it. I saw these young kids doing shows, and they were really cool and hip. And there were 10, I think there were 10 people in the contest, and uh, five of them were really good. I mean, really good. And uh, I won. Oh, really? <laughs> I was really shocked. You know? I mean... So I'm not over yet. Oh, not at all. I, I think comedy is... Uh, if you're good, you can do it till you die. Eh, I don't think people... Not in this climate. It's not the way it is. I don't think so. Well, I mean, I think if you're trying to get on you comedy... You can do it, but I mean... if you, But if you're good at it... I, the people that run things are pretty uh i don't know it's this there's pretty ageist I, I would agree with that most people are in their you know 30s 20s 30s or 40s and early 40s yeah i mean really really famous to be in your 40s or 50s or 60s but i think it's also easy i mean you're right they're really very we're very ageophobic in this country about everything i mean it just amazes me but I think if you can, it's never been easier to make it on your own in terms of like a podcast or a, right. Uh, you Look know. what Joe Rogan's done, man. Yeah, and he's uh, well, he's been famous for a long time, so that helped. But he was famous from a TV show, um, yeah, news radio. Yeah, he was such a cute, sexy guy, and then he became you know even better comedian. He really worked on it, and then he really worked on his podcast, and really has become. You know, it's it's really sort of wonderful, and he's got his he went he's got his own he created his own lane. Yeah, I mean, he is the lane. Uh, I mean, we're all. Why do you think people dig him so much? I think because he speaks his mind. He's very honest, but, he, but he's handsome too. That gets him into the room. But, I think that's what got him into the room first. I think. But I would. Uh, he I was, mean, yeah, he's a he good-looking was, guy. He was well. He was even better looking when he was on news radio, right? Right. He was even better looking then, and that really opened. That's the door that opened for him. And he, when he opened, he really worked on his craft and made and spent years, you know. But I thought this whole thing with him and uh, um, the, the comedian uh, Mencia, Carlos Mencia, was going to totally ruin him because Carlos was so popular. His show and on uh, Comedy Central, and 
or is it MTV? I can't remember. What uh, comedy, Mind Com- of Mencia. Comedy, and he was so popular. And just this idea of hawking on it and hawking on it, even if he was right. You know, I thought this is going to really make him look bad. And it seemed to, he seemed to weather it fine and just be himself. Well, I think his fan base, uh, which are, uh, I wouldn't say, pro- it, it skews more towards men than women, but he has a lot of Oh, okay, definitely men. But they like... Uh, definitely men. And also in media, people pay more attention to what men like. They don't care what women like right. as much. Well, it's, it's the same thing. They put women during the day and they put men at night in talk shows. And they think it's going to make a difference. And I bet Ellen's ratings are just as good as any of those other guys at night. Ellen or whoever else is the big talk show during the day. I don't know who it, who it is right now. In the day. Well, I know there's Dr. Oz. But Ellen is the top. Isn't she the biggest? Uh, yeah, in the daytime for sure. Yeah. She's she's the Oprah of, you know, yeah, or up. Phil or who else was the other one? Uh, Dr. Drews. Geraldo. Yeah. I'm talking about the, the, Oh, I loved Geraldo. Jenny and Sally. Jenny, Jenny, Jenny Jones. Jenny's was on for 12, 13 years. Sally was on for, Sally Jesse Raphael was on for a long time. I mean, Springer is still on. No, it's is not, he still on? It's not a straight talk show, but like it's a little more. Is this show still on? Yeah. No. Yeah. Jerry Springer. It's not quite as big. Oh, I thought it was over. Just because uh, no, his guard took over, whatever that guy. Steve said. Wilkos. Yeah, he. That's when you knew things were jumping the shark in talk shows. When the security guy from Springer got his own show. Well, his show is all made up. Well, yeah, I it's mean, literally made up, and he knows it, and everybody knows that. Well, I knew a guy who went on it. You know. Yeah, me too. I was turning. I was watching one day. I'm like, his name's Dan, and like, here's Joe, uh, you know, homosexual, and Dan is straight, and like, what? Well, Wait, what? And then, you know, the storyline was he had a gay roommate and, you know, it was just... Oh, he needed that $800 or whatever they Yeah, and so they, you know... I mean, I didn't put it together for a long time that Springer was kind of half real, half fake. Well, that's what it was for a while. They would just, and they'd encourage you to do stuff. Yeah. I mean, I used to do all the uh, VH1 shows and I remember once they had, I was doing celebrity mug shots and you'd sit in a folding chair and they'd have a green screen behind you they flash things and you'd make funny jokes and i remember once and I, you you'd make a, quite a bit of money each shot to do it and you'd only be there an hour and they'd have a, you, you'd be so waiting in line I, I remember once i did one for a tv land called tickled pink about uh gay things on television and barbara eden came in after me and before me was diane carroll and i thought oh my god tv icons and uh I would sit there and I remember I did those all the time. And then they started to get really, you know, mean. And I remember Sharon Stone came on and Sharon was in my acting class. And when I first went into it, when I studied with Roy London, who also studied with, that's where Gary Shandling first came in. And I remember, uh, I thought, I don't want to say mean things about Sharon Stone. She's, I thought she was great. And this is like, so she got arrested once for, I don't even remember what it was, something stupid. You know, they just want you to say terrible things. And I thought, God, this is not who I want to be. And I and there were other comedians that were all of a sudden becoming uh, the, this kind of shock right. around 10 years ago. And that's when I did my special. And I'll say my special called Making It to the Middle, which is being reissued and comes out December 7th. And where can people find it? All over the net. Amazon, Here TV is doing it, which is... Uh, I think the first gay network and I was the first gay comic to have a male comic to have a special. Kate Clinton was the first lesbian and Margaret Cho was the first bisexual person. 
and we were all on their network and it was a 10 years ago and, and uh, they're reissuing the special called making to the middle i'm very proud of it because it really was my it was my nightclub act and i did it at the funny bone in uh columbus ohio which that venue doesn't exist anymore and uh it did really 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 well and i had hair then and uh i'm really proud of it i filmed it in oh at the end of 06 and then i sold it it took a while to sell it and edit it and put it together because in those days I did everything myself. Then I sold it to Here TV and it debuted in 2008. Do you get sad when you think of all the venues you've done comedy in and they're not there? No, no. I do. Okay, I get, the I'm only thing I get sad about is that I wish I had more fun. Right. I wish I wasn't so scared when I was doing it. I was always scared of getting fired. And I was fired several times. But scared of what? Well, you know, in comedy, there's three things you have to do to headline, right? You have to do the time. You have to be funny. And you have to sell tickets. And 10 years ago is when MySpace ended and Facebook started. And I really could not figure out how to promote my show. I couldn't figure it out. And neither could my fans figure out how to find me. Because I would go into a town... I would do usually six to eight shows. I'd get there. I would do their, um, I would get the cover of their gay magazine, the pick of the week in their LA weekly-ish kind of entertainment magazine. And then there'd be a story about me in their LA New York Times, you know, the Kansas City Star, whatever, wherever it was. And then I would do the popular morning show. And then maybe I'd do an afternoon talk show. And they, then they'd find one show that I could do like CBS, NBC or ABC or Fox. And I had, I've had shows, I've guest starred on shows on all those channels. So I could, if it was ABC, it would be My Wife and Kids. If it was NBC, it would be Willie and Grace. If it was CBS, it'd be Murder, She Wrote. If it was Fox, it would be House or, you know, whatever the things. If it was FX later, it was, you know, uh, Sunny in Philadelphia, whatever it was. I had something that I could say I was on your network. Right. And that's in that, those places you could get on from that. Even if it was just a one-time guest star or co-star. And I would do those, and then my shows would sell out. And I had a trick when I'd go on the radio. i do what I do right now, is I would just not stop talking. You're the perfect guest. Cause I, and I mean that sincerely. I want someone who talks a lot. Well, because I trained. I trained myself. Because when I was first uh, an opening act, I went to Sacramento, and I remember I went with, and I won't say the comedian's name, with the headliner, I said, could I go along and to the radio show with you guys? Because they would only interview the headliner. Right. Or maybe the middle would come, but never the opening act. I said, I just wanted to go. And I went. And I wanted to see how you did that because I'd never been on the radio. And of course, they let me talk because I was so nervous. And I learned how to do it. I learned how to do things really fast. I learned how to do my job. And then I heard the club owner said, we had to let so-and-so go. Why? This person wasn't good on the radio, but their show killed. Didn't matter. You couldn't do radio. No one's going to come see your show. You had to have the skill set. And then I started to do all these independent films. And you'd have to know how to walk a red carpet, say something really quick about the film, and then move to the next guy. So I learned how to do all that. So by the time Birth of a Nation came out, and I was doing red carpets for like six months, uh, I knew exactly how to do it. And I was part of the B team, maybe even the C team. I was number 13 on the call list with big, big stars. When somebody couldn't come, they'd always use me because I knew that I would know what to say or how to do it, go in and go out. Right. They knew I could handle doing a Q&A with Army Hammer or Dave Park. I knew when to talk, not to talk. 
you know, know that who's the star of the film, know my place. Also be funny, get in and get out. So I, you don't just learn how to be an actor and be the best actor you could be. You don't just learn how to be a comedian. You have to learn the business. It's 50% of what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, I learned a lot when I used to open up for Rob Schneider and just... Oh, did you? I work with Rob. I love Rob. He was in my Ivanic Chubbuck acting class. And I also did, I guess, start on his uh, show. Um, uh, Real Rob. Real Rob. I, um, I learned a lot from him. Like He's seeing... an interesting guy, isn't he? He's much more than you'd think. Oh, yeah. I mean, I... Uh, I just talked to him recently. He's great. Like, yeah. But I learned his work ethic. and. I oh, think... yeah. He would always make, I don't want to say made me, but he would always take me to the morning radio shows. And I'm like, why are you doing this? The show's already sold out. Like he's, it's, of not, that. About, it's not about that. It's a bigger thing. No. And I learned that. Like, oh, I, yeah. you know, in my mind, I was like, well, dude, just sleep in. You're Rob Schneider. You can, show's already, you know, they no. had shows. Like it was, I've never, they would uh, do Monday night shows for him. Were you his opening or his middle? Uh, at times both. Uh, so he just had one person. Uh, we started with three. It was me, Jeff Richards, and Rob, and then Jeff uh, like went on to do his own thing or whatever. And then I became the middle, and uh, it was just a and the local guy would just you know, yeah they have the like we do Winnipeg for example. And I'd love to go, but I think he's so afraid of having a gay guy before him. I think they, maybe he is. I should. I don't say think that. he would be because we've talked about it. He keeps saying he's going to do it, but he hasn't. Maybe it's it's my paranoia. Probably I really am. I have that because I've been fired and I've been. You know, I've sort of, you know, there is no birds of a feather for a gay man in comedy. You don't think in this era, like no. it's a little more freeing? The it's freeing, yes. And I've gone as far, you know, 10 years ago when I stopped doing clubs and I decided to push my acting more. And I still do comedy. I work at the Laugh Factory or the Improv Occasionally or the Ice House. I still do that. And I do what I call big ticket jobs. Like I just did the Throckmorton Theater in, uh, at uh, Mill Valley. And, and near Oakland, and it was so much fun. Things like that I get to do now, or I host some big, really LGBTQ event, and that's really fun to do. Either I host it or I do stand up at it, or stuff like that. Or somebody invites me to come along, gets really famous, or or I get to do a th show by myself occasionally in a theater somewhere. But you know, I don't. I'm not the first person people think about to bring along because they want someone that blends into them. I don't blend. I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not like. I'm not that guy. But I would also probably say they're afraid they can't follow you. Uh, you think so? Oh, absolutely. Which is really? why. Really? Oh, 100%. I mean, I respected Rob so much because, you know, uh, Jeff is very uh, incredibly funny. And, uh, you know, he's on S Saturday Night Live and he's, his impressions are like amazing. Oh, you can't. Yeah. Uh, and I, and you know, I'm not saying I was killing every night, but, you know, I was doing pretty good for an unknown comic. So I respected Rob a lot because I know a lot of headliners who won't take out funny people. I worked with Brad Garrett at his club last year oh. and a half ago. Oh man. He's, Oh, he's brilliant. Like I met him. On he's like gifted. He's, but he doesn't headline the show. He sees it. He hosts it. So he does 20 minutes, a comedian, 20 minutes, a comedian. So it's basically you're, you're just invited to jet to, to Brad's house and he has us come on and do comedy. And he, it, you can see the audience, they don't promote you. So the, the whole thing is Brad Garrett's Comedy Club, his picture is everywhere. It's Brad, Brad, Brad. So they're coming in expecting to see all Brad. Sure. And he's so good. And he's so great with the audience. It's just, I, I'm just, he's such, a, I love watching him. He's the nicest guy. Yeah. And 
you could feel the audience saying, oh my God, that's Jason Stewart. Who's he? Is Brad, I can hear him talking. Oh, Brad's here. Brad's gone. Is Brad gone? Where's Brad? We, we were here. Oh, well, I guess he's funny. Yeah, that's funny. I'll laugh. Okay. Did he say he was gay? No, no, he didn't say that. On Brad's show? This is Brad's show. Where's Brad? You know, and, you, and you're fighting that to get them, you know, it's and Brad is a television icon, yeah. whether he wants to admit it or not. You know, Emmy winner, and he just did you see him on? Uh, I'm dying up here. I worked with him on it. Like I had a scene with him, and I've never been so nervous before. Him. You were in the show. Yeah. What did you play? I was a recurring character. It was probably in in two seasons. I was probably in ten episodes. Wait, wait. Yes, that's why I recognize you. I had a beard. Man, yes, yes, that's why I recognize you. Uh, but. He was so nice to me. He was, and he didn't know who I was. You know, some actor. But was he just? I knew I knew you. I thought he should have gotten an Emmy. I mean, I know the show didn't take off. Well, it's a second season. Have we? Have have they been? Would that be in this year's Emmys or next year's Emmy? I thought it would be in uh, the most recent ones, but the show didn't get a lot of love. uh, No, which I thought. I mean, I'm a little biased. I don't know why. I mean, I have my theories. I Uh, think that. I think Melissa Leo is brilliant. She's one of my oh. favorite all-time actresses. But I think she made a mistake by not playing Mitzi. Because the character she did with this tough broad with the heart of gold, we have seen that character. And she does it great. But that wasn't the woman who did that. Mitzi wasn't a tough broad with the heart of gold. Mitzi was crazy, loony. And it was so... If you, I don't know if you ever knew her. I met her once. Yeah, but it wasn't she was the- just... She'd go over and she'd Jason... You really should wear a hat. Funny hats are in. And then she'd walk away. And she looked like the gypsy woman when I love when Lucy Ball was on the Lucy show and she was in the play and played the gypsy woman. She looked like she was always wearing these schmatas and these things with, and this Madonna thing in her hair from the 80s. And, you, you, you know, just and obviously knew exactly what she was doing because the club was a major success because of her. She, she was a great businesswoman and she picked a lot of incredibly brilliant people. But such a character, it would have been neat to see someone play her. And I think that would have made it more interesting. I mean, I think it confused people that it was based on the book, but... Well, it was a drama about comedy. Right. Uh, yeah. And a lot of people would come up to me and be like, Earl, we love the show, but it's not that funny. I'm like, well, it's not supposed to be. It's not a, it's not a stand-up show. It's not too close for comfort. Right. I mean, it's not a sitcom. Um, and I think, you know, they like the last couple episodes, they actually had Richard Pryor in it. And so that was like, okay, well, who's Santino playing? Is he Bill Hicks or? Well, some of them were amalgamations. Like the girl, right. the girl character was obviously Elaine Boozler. But I think to, to right, be, like yeah, to me she was. But it was and like, a little bit of Maureen. Uh, Maureen. Uh, uh, oh God, I'm gonna remember it a minute. A little bit of Maureen uh, from the Tonight Show, the first go. Right, I'm not Maureen. Uh, I want to oh, say uh, Stewart, but that's just no, no. That's yeah. that's you. Uh, <laughs> God, I remember you on the show. You were great. I mean, it was a small part. Yeah, but still, that was so cool. But like, I was even, up for that show twice. I didn't get on it. What part? I was up for the head writer on the Sunny and Chair show. Oh, and okay. they picked somebody that was so... I played him very Jewish. Because I figured that's what the whole... I talk like this. I was this guy. So what are you, what are you, what are you laughing at? What are you doing? You know, I did this whole thing like this. And, and they picked a guy that was so white bread. I thought, oh, well, obviously I did that all wrong. I mean, well, I mean, the table reads were very... Uh, like, I'm such a Rick Overton fan. Oh. And like... Isn't he great? I, I, I can't 
I'm stuttering to spit out how great I think he is because he's just the best. And uh, to see all these, I mean, to see Melissa Leo do a table read was like, it was like an acting class. Like, Oh, yeah. Just f figuring it out. I mean, you know, pretty much all of us were just reading the script, reading the lines. She would look at you if she had a line with you. She wouldn't look at the script and she would say it word for word, like right at you. And I was like, oh, fuck, that's an actress. Like, that's an Oscar winner there. Oh, yeah. She's gifted. Yeah, she's I mean, gifted. She, uh, I think she's a method actress. And, uh, I also think, and this is not to, you know, I, I, I'll be really on, I can't believe I'm on the radio or the podcast saying this, but I love the show. I love watching it. I love the concept of everything. But I thought the dialogue was a little too um, theatrical. It was a little too on the nose most of the time. Right. And I think that was the problem too of it. It needed to be a little more, I don't know, I don't know. That's I mean, I, I mean, and I'm picking because I loved watching it. Oh, I tried to figure out why it didn't, you know, catch. I mean, I Sydney Chubbuck was one of the writers. I think that's her name. She's yes, brilliant, brilliant writer, and so funny and so gifted. I don't think it went far enough. Like you know, this was the '70s. The comedy was raunchy. Also, you having a beautiful girl. You know, is is that was being so the the dirtiness. The women were not dirty dirty then. They could not do it. It was not allowed. It wouldn't have happened like this. The 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 marvelous Mrs. Menzel. I love that show. Right. But there would never have been a woman in the fifties talk like that. They just weren't. They just didn't do it unless you were out of the clubs and doing it in you know someplace else. You wouldn't be allowed. I mean, and I also think they didn't have a great social media, which in this day and age. Oh, is that it? I mean, I'm guessing. That, you you know, know who was really great? Was Eric Griffin on it? Oh, he's a, was I mean, really got to show his chops. I mean, the yeah, nicest guy too. And uh, Santino had a scene in the last episode where it's he's gathering us around to strike, and there's a one-on-one. -on -one, uh, Santino's the redhead guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a well, New York comic, right? Um, I. Don't think so. No. Oh, uh, I don't know him. But it was he held his own with Melissa in this scene. Oh yeah, I mean, and he played a really unlikable character, and I still was interested in him, which really is a uh, a tip of a hat to him. Well, I know so many comics like his character, where they're, I would say Andrew in the show, in the real life, he's like the nicest, but he's kind of bitter. Why is this guy getting the couch on the Tonight Show and I'm not? And uh, well, it is. It is a very you. Know, the, <sighs> But the thing is, also at the show too, I don't find that comedians are bitter with each other. I think they're bitter with the people who are the gatekeepers. See, I the think managers, it's both. the agents, the seat. I don't think they're bitter about the other comics. I if, think they are. If somebody's good, they're good. I, I mean, I think like that's I'm, been my experience. I think comics are great, but I also with in a different group of comics than you are. You know what I mean? I mean, I would. I mean, I I see what you're saying. It just like I've. You know, like the first TV show I was on was Roast Battle, which, uh, you know, is basically... I've never seen it, but I've heard of it. And I mean, it got me everything, so I'm very loyal to it. But it was a fascinating um, educational experience on some of the bad things that happened in the business. Of the what, what happened? Just political, like... Uh, How many times did you do the show? Did you do it once? Or? I mean, I was on the weekly show in the belly room uh, for like. Four. Oh, it's a, it's a live show, not the TV. It's show. a live show. And I was on the first season of the TV show, and uh, you know, I beat some people that I think they wanted to see win it, 
uh, like Jimmy Carr, who's probably uh, I don't know anybody that's new. He's like uh, the biggest comic in the UK, and oh okay, massive like ten million Twitter oh, okay. followers, and he's very big in it. I think so. I think I know who he is now. But I think they wanted him to win it, and I beat him. And so it was does he have like, a really big manager agent? Oh yeah, they were furious when I won. I, wow! As soon as I beat him. Well, I was on Star Search. I remember and Michael Finney uh, was on the, around the same time, and somebody came over to him and said, one of the uh, assistants, and said, "Hey, here, here's your plane ticket." So she says, "Well, I haven't lost yet." She said, "Oh, I'm sorry, it was a mistake." Because they decide who they want, and they decide, okay, we're shutting off all the votes for. You know, I think they do. I think it's all fixed. I mean, I think all these contest shows are fixed or manipulated in some way. They just can't let it be. They do the same thing with the, all these shows, these big shows. I mean, because I was I, I was pegged at one point on Star Search to win. I was told by the talent guy that they want you to. You're going to be on for a while. They like you, and then they change their mind for whatever reason. And who ended up winning? I was on for two, only two episodes. I won one. I lost to Martin Lawrence. And I stamped my foot and I walked off. Really? Yeah. It's on, you can see it. It's on, it's on my website. I have a, a clip that someone put together. I don't even know who did it. I and just, did someone come up to you and go, what are you doing? No, they thought it was so funny at the time, but on YouTube, they, they, they really ripped me to, to shreds. Well, oh yeah, I don't go on YouTube and read the comments. I have done it. I shouldn't have, but it, it didn't kill me also because it's mostly the the anti-gay stuff. That's what they say, or whatever happened to him? What a loser! Or you know what they'll say? Oh, I saw those jokes on another show. Or I saw you know because they don't realize that we don't. All these sets that are put on are now put on by clubs that put them on, and because you work there, you have to say yes. So you may not be working on that set it's 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 not like you're working on a set to do it on a show they just put it on so you could be doing the same material that night that you did on a show before and not really realize you're being taped and all of a sudden they put a tape on and they want to put a whole bunch of tapes together of jokes about dating or jokes about your mother or whatever and they'll do that and you just don't know anymore and that's what happens and I remember once I, I actually call I did some some people put on some stuff put some stuff on that I did or they'll re-put stuff from different shows and cut it up differently. And they'll say, oh, he's doing the same material. Because I was from the school that, you know, you don't want to burn all your material on everything. You want to keep, you know, keep it to yourself. You know, I have a new CD out that I had a couple, around two years ago called Don the Daddy and I Have Candy. And it's got some really cool stuff on it. It's what I call a mini, a DVD, mini CD. So it's not an hour. It's only like around 20 minutes. And where can people get it? iTunes? Oh, just go to jasonstewart.com. Everything is jasonstewart.com. S-T-U-A-R-T. You can watch my web series, Mentor, on there. You can watch my short that I sold, like Father. You can get my uh, uh, big comedy album, Gay Comedy Without a Dress, or Making It to the Middle. When that comes back, yeah. Because you've got a lot of uh, fuels in the fire pit. I mean, in terms of all that, yeah. Well, that's it's also over the years. I mean, people say, "Why don't you do another special?" Because uh, unless somebody really wants me to do one, it's like I know my Tiffany Haddish. You know Tiffany? She's an old comedy. We buddy. did a roast battle. Oh, you did? She's a comedy. Bi- she's terrific, and she just did a special on Showtime called "She Ready," and she. That's material she worked on for 10 years, you know, and it was 
terrific. And now she has to do another one for, she doesn't have to, but she did one for Netflix. It's hard two years later to put together, you know, the second special, you know, in that while she's doing movies. It's a lot of work. A good one. Like. Yeah. And she's going to work her butt off. I know her. She's going on tour now to do it. That's why. She's going on tour now to work on it. So you have to be able to go on tour and get all these dates to put, you have to put in the work and she knows that. And that's what she's doing. Oh yeah. I mean, I see Whitney Cummings doing the same. You talk about someone who puts in the work. It's like, I thought I was hardworking. So, uh, you know, this might be a good time to cut the Instagram live feed off because okay. you got to go on iTunes to listen to the rest of the fascinating Jason Stewart. But for the Instagram fans, where can people find you on Twitter and whatnot? Uh, the Jason Stewart on Instagram, S-T-U-A-R-T. Uh, Twitter is uh, Jason underscore Stewart, S-T-U-A-R-T. Uh, Facebook is uh, Jason Stewart T-O-O because my other pages are all filled up. So I have a new page called Jason Stewart 2. So become fans of Jason. Uh, he's really a, a legend in the comedy community. Oh, it's true though. It's true though. Like that's I give respect when I... Oh, wow. Uh, that's really kind. And I don't say legend. Um, it's an often overused term, but with someone I respect, I mean it. And uh, Well, thank you. So become fans of Jason's. Uh, you know, you can uh, just go on jasonstewart.com. All of them are at the top. You can yeah. see it. So, so it makes it easy for you to go on whatever you like to go on. Well, my fan base uh, skews toward the simple mind, so they're great. But uh, yeah, well, that's so, it's easy. You just go to jasonstewart.com, and they're all at the top of the thing. You can just click on to whatever one you want to be a part of. And we're going to talk for a few more minutes uh, off instagram so go to itunes when this is out tomorrow and uh support jason uh, watch his specials buy his cds and uh, you know every little bit helps and uh thank you guys for listening so i'm a one-man operation so there we oh, go i've done it too i mean i rogan has a team uh he started off one guy too yeah oh absolutely and he's so been, did I, I did mark maron's a couple years back Oh, he's really my mentor because he was an older guy uh, when he first did his podcast. And they were like, I think I read his book. His first manager said, uh, don't do the podcast. There's no money in it. <laughs> Fuck them. Well, there isn't for most. You've I, done very well. I'm just starting making money. But then, like I told you when you got here, someone, uh, some nefarious person uh, reported me for an unethical music violation so i just have to deal with that so how do you do what are you gonna do i mean i just stop know, using that song that's all but now i'm nervous you know because i i have permission for it like i know the artist we'll have the artist contact them yeah. but that's itunes it. is not very helpful in this regard like they sent me long story short and then we'll get back to you uh, they sent me an email saying hey you we did an investigation you did nothing wrong and I was like, well, just put me back on the charts where I was. He's like, well, we can't manipulate chart position. I'm like, well, I'm not asking you to like give, give me something phony. It, you know. So everybody email iTunes. Yes. Yes. At iTunes on Twitter, I guess, and say, put daddy back on the charts. Well, you're, is your, you're, you're not called daddy, are you? Everyone calls me daddy just because I, you know. Are I, you a daddy too? No, I'm not. But I, I'm not that kind of daddy. Uh, well, I might be. I mean, I did have a couple runs back in the day. But uh, <laughs> I, you know, I you date one young girl and everyone pegs you as like a daddy. How old are you? I'm 50. I just turned 50. Oh my gosh! So uh, you know, now everyone calls me daddy because uh, my perceived love of young women, uh, legal 
but uh, I've really only dated one young girl, so I get I get pigeonholed, Jason. You have a daddy voice. Well, I'm the only uh, white guy in an all black cartoon right now. So what's a cartoon? It's called The Jellies on Adult Swim. Oh, cool! I've heard of that. It's Tyler, the creator, is a very young rapper, uh, like a P Diddy type. Like he's got his hands in everything. Um, so, uh, and I got the gig at the comedy store. So, wow. You know, he was just there one night. I thought he was just some skinny black dude in the audience. And here, here I am. Uh, you know, now that I'm dying up here, it's canceled. And uh, I left Roast Battle. Uh, it's the only thing I got. So. Why'd you, you oh, you left? I did. I, I, I'm, uh, I did a Rogan move. Uh, you know, like we talked about him and Mencia, like, I just like I don't, I don't like how I'm being treated, so I, I'm not going to do the show anymore. So oh gosh. I never did it. Oh, you'd be great at it. I can tell you're quick. Like I get like just how we're going at it right now. Like oh, really, I, I, I'm not good with all the dirty jokes. Well, I mean, but see, in that's roast a, battle, it's, is that what that's it's it's about being filthy dirty, right? I. Um. Yeah, but I think uh, I guess I could do, it, but it wouldn't be as much fun as if you didn't, wouldn't have to do that. Well, I think with you, you know where you're going to get hit. Like, uh, it, oh please, it's, it's going to be, be gay, old, gay, bald, or whatever. Bald. Uh, and but you know that's coming. Like oh, yeah. when I used to roast battle, it was. What can you say to me that hasn't been said? Right. Uh, you know, like with me, it was Earl so old. Blah blah blah. Uh, so, like, what would somebody say to me? Like, I'll tell you what, I, I in Montreal, uh, the first person on uh, TV I battled was a gay comic by the name of Tom Ballard, and he's brilliant. Uh -huh. he's just, I've heard of him. He is uh, so nice and brilliant, but, you know, it's not compliment battle, so I, <laughs> I had to, like, uh, you know, say some things that I wasn't necessarily comfortable with, so I What'd said, you say? First joke, I wanted to come out flying. Um Tom is gay and from Australia, so when he takes it in the ass, he'll feel it tomorrow. <laughs> why does everybody go for that thing? But you have to in roast really? battle. In roast battle. But why? That's oh God. because they want. I think Comedy Central's fans are are probably eighteen to. Yeah, but what they, they what I think the opposite of what you think. What you do is you you cut off half your audience that way, and the rest of the audience goes. Oh, can I say the f word here? Oh yeah, yeah. Fuck that! I don't want to. I don't want to watch this show. But, and they, you tune out half the audience that you you're going to get. But not with roast battle because they. Uh, want... I I would have turned it off right there. But I, you're losing me, and my people are big. Oh no! I it's but we're like, double because we'll watch things and we're the best fans ever. But you're going to lose half people, and, and you're going to use you're going to lose half the people. They just don't want to hear that same joke over and over again. But I think the joke was uh, I, I, they don't want smart jokes. Oh, so, so they, they want short. So then, when you'd say that to me, I'd say, I'd say, yeah. Well, while you were sucking my dick, you didn't realize, you didn't care, you know. Or something but like then that. we could, yeah. And that would have gotten into a good, uh, like he had a very funny reply of, well, Earl, I've seen your comedy act. The biggest room you've played was my asshole. <laughs> like you know, so we had a nice, uh -huh. but we're friends. So he, well, of course. Uh, there was one show that I was. Oh, I think it was. A, a crashed crashing crashing we him and his girlfriend did the thing together and she he said these terrible things about her and they broke up well i won't say i have no proof of this but in the history of roast battle uh me and my ex-girlfriend she's a comedian yes who is she uh, you know i don't want to say her name on oh. the air because she gets a little uh, upset oh. when i talk about her but uh we were dating at the time and did a roast battle 
Um, so I was a little, that was one of the reasons I left the show was that episode. Cause I was like, well, wait a minute. Uh, do you want some water? I think so. <coughs> okay, fine. I have water for you if you need it. I would it. like a water, yes. Um, so, so I, I, uh, I was like, well, wait a minute. This is in the history of the roast battle in the three and a half years at, up until that point, me and my girlfriend were the only ones to ever battle. And we broke up. Who were a couple? Yeah. Who were an active couple. Uh -huh. uh, so out of the almost literally thousand plus battles, because there's like five a week. And uh, I was like, and I don't get to be in that episode. They still do it at the comedy store? Yeah, they still do it. So it's... Um, no one's ever asked me to do it. Oh, I could arrange it. If you, if you would like to do one, I could make it happen. Really? Oh, do you get to know about the other person before you get on, or do you just have to know them? Well, some people... So my arms are long enough where I reached into the fridge to get Jason water. Um, here we go. Oh, thanks. And it's really a fancy one, too. Um, I feel like I shouldn't be taking this. Oh, please, please. Uh, well, you know, in, with roast battle, there's two. Like, if I were roast battling you, I would say, hey, here's where most people come at me. Not so I can know what jokes are uh, <laughs> happening, but... Uh, and some people don't meet. Like, they're like, you want to roast me? Find my info on your own. Um so, but like with you, it'd be easy to look, research you like, okay, he's, I mean, you've had a 35 year career. So, you know, yeah. uh, like if I were battling you, I would, uh, look up your name. I'd say, okay, he's, uh, came out at 21. There's something there maybe, or like, you know, he worked with, uh, everyone, uh, you know, <laughs> Skippy low. I don't oh, know. Oh yes. <laughs> um, I, I did his show like 10 times. I'm obsessed with him. Uh, cause and I just wish more well, people. He is the first of this elk who did these podcasts. He did it public access, which was what podcast was. He did a show called Skippy Low Talks to Hollywood. He would come in really, really close, and you'd every, every he would wear black turtlenecks, and he every he'd wear, he'd say wear something black, and you'd look like this head that was floating around. And then he'd be sitting there, and he'd be talking. You'd say, Earl, so you uh, you were regular on this Roastmaster show. Tell me about it. And then you tell him about it. And then he'd go, I read here that you were molested as a child. And he would just, and he wouldn't even listen to your, what he was saying. He was so looking at it and he would write down his stuff on the really big paper because he'd make it so big. So he wouldn't have to wear his reading glasses. And it was so large. And sometimes he would just get the wrong information. And there's a Jason Stewart, S T E W A R T. Who's a sportscaster. And he was asking me sports. Thing. I said, Skippy, that's not me. <laughs> I mean, I used to watch his show on Channel 3, Public Access, and it was just such a, it was almost like um, there was another show uh, at the time on KDOC, which is a, a very... Uh, yeah, I know that one too. Obscure, uh, uh, not public access, but local channel out of Garden Grove, where uh -huh. uh, they had this show called The Wally George Show. Oh my God. When I was a kid and I first saw him, I thought that Wally, I thought that he was a real... I didn't I, I, take this back. I didn't know he was real. I thought he was a comedy sketch. Right. I it was a comedy show. And I just thought, oh my God, this is hysterically funny. And then, then you find out he's a real person. Well, I mean, his sh show bordered on almost half and half. Uh, he was the first uh, of the combat television. He was before Springer. 
Um, Who was the other one? The smoker. Martin Downey. Martin Downey Jr. Oh, my God. The episodes where he went on Wally's show are like, because uh, there's like two alpha males. You're like, oh, you're trying to impugn on my turf. <laughs> you know, uh, Something about that just is so, I don't know. It's just so awful. But because I get it. There like, is no, there is no, um, there's no end for that. There's no place to go for that. It's over. Once you do that show, you're done. Well, it's like Lifetime, you know, f- movies. Once you become doing Lifetime movies and you go all over to Hallmark, you're done. As your career is done, nobody, nobody can get past that. Yeah, do, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It, it's I, I don't know anybody that's been able to have a decent career. Well, I mean, but I know of several actors who do Lifetime movies and they're just used in the same, uh, you know, they're used a lot on that network and they love it. Like it's steady. How old are they? Uh, One guy, uh, he's probably mid 50s, mid to late 30s, very established character actor. And he's still, yeah, well, but there is no play. You're not going to, they're going to, it's not someone's going to see you in that and go, oh my God, you're going to be in the next, you know, uh, Quentin Tarantino film or you're going to be in the next, you know, uh, I don't know, Martin Scorsese film. I mean, you know, people, what people have said to me, you can ask me anything you want, but I'll tell you that the birth of a nation story. It's really interesting because people have asked me over and over again, how did you get this? How did this come about? And when I stopped doing stand-up comedy clubs on touring, going around the country, because it was just so, after all, it was just so hard. It's a grind. Well, also, there was nobody letting me go on talk shows. And either they just didn't like what I was doing or they just didn't want a gay guy on, you know? And uh, they... still. Well, do you see any gay comedians on talk shows now that aren't uh, already big stars from something else? Do you know what I mean? That, 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 that you're not going to bring on a gay comic that that nobody has ever seen and say, "Hey, here's this great new comic." It's like they used to do on the Tonight Show. They say, "Here's a comedian." I remember when Roseanne Barr was on. They they said Johnny Carson said, "Well, here's a we found a, a female comedian, and uh, you know this one's funny." You know, he made this, you know, like this doesn't happen. It, it, you don't see that, especially for men. Suzanne Westenhofer is the only lesbian comedian that was ever on Letterman. And she was only on when Tom Dreesen was the host. When Letterman, Letterman had to have a heart attack for her to get on the show. Well, that's because I think Eddie Brill uh, is... Uh, I don't know if it was that you can blame Eddie Brill or Jimmy Brogan or any of the people because it's the climate of the show. But, but I think on Letterman, uh, Eddie had a... I'd say a bias towards male comics straight. Oh, they all do. But I mean, he really, is there any, is there any show that's booked by a woman that doesn't have a bias for, for male comics? Are, who do when you talk about comedians, you're it's your, it's whatever's funny to you from your experience. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? I think if you and I would pick the comics, I bet we have totally different comics that we, that make us laugh. I don't know about that. Like, if you and I were the co-bookers, of, I don't know. You're a little more obscure, I can tell. From talking to you, you have a little. You're an interesting guy with a lot of different kind of stuff going on. Just the fact that you know all about me tells me something, and that you see me as someone who's, you know, I. I, I there's not a lot of comedian male comedians that call me and say, "Hey, come and do this with me." You know. Well, I mean, I'm a comedy fan. Like I. Yeah, but even the ones that are. But like you know, to me, Stephen Wright is just like. Why isn't this? I mean, he's famous, but like, why isn't this guy next level famous? To me, he's brilliant. Because no one knew who he was. 
But that's a crime. Robert Schimmel. Robert Schimmel. Certainly was famous. I think he would have gone further. He would have evolved because he always evolved. Well, he's he strikes always- me as almost someone who burned bridges because he was just so honest. Like, uh, these are the jokes I'm going to do. No, he was known as a dirty comic, and that, and he was celebrated for it. I don't think. He, I, I think he would have, you know, he would have done. He would have gone into character work in films and TV. Or like a Norm Macdonald. When I say burn bridges, I mean like Norm Macdonald to me is so brilliant. But he seems- I did his show, his sitcom. Oh, Norm? I'll never forget it because I remember working, uh, Faith Ford was on for Murphy Brown and um, Laurie Metcalf from Roseanne and, oh, one of these gals that was on 90210 was the guest star. She played the wife on Jim, uh, Jim Belusi's show. I forgot what her name was and that got her the show. And I remember being on the show and watching these gals work and they were so incredible. My episode was, of course, uh, it was the whole I think of the of those gay camps that tried to de-gay us and I, right. I had a wife on the show. <clears throat> it was only one scene and they and they made it into two because uh we were so funny. It was so lovely. And I remember doing the show, and I have to say, Norm McDonald was the worst actor I'd ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> and then when and then we then when we did the show, he was brilliant. Oh, am I falling onto the couch looking like an old whore? No, no. He was. Well, you wouldn't be the first on this couch. He was, he was brilliant. He was so funny and so on, and the audience so loved him. But when he rehearsed, he never really rehearsed. He just sort of stumbled through the lines. And I thought, how is he going to do this? It was just amazing to me. And then I'd seen him on the show, and I thought, is this a bad week or what's that? And they said, no, no, he always does this. And he was nervous, and he just. And, and the minute the camera came on, he was like a completely different person. And he was so funny and just charming and interesting to watch. And I just fell in love with him. I met him in Canada when I headlined Yuck Yucks. Oh, in Toronto? Yeah, before he was famous. That's when he was one of the comedians on the show before I went on. But like, to me, he should be like... He should have been a talk show host. Yeah, right. He Uh, really should. But it just... uh... He doesn't play the game, I guess. I don't know him really well. I mean, I don't, I'm just. Guessing. I know that he's a writer producer. He was a writer producer on the Roseanne reboot. I knew that. And he seems to be, his name seems, people seem to revere him. Oh, I mean, I saw him go on once uh, at the comedy store in the OR about two in the morning. He just came in. He, he didn't want to bump anyone. He said, I'll just go on last, which I thought was pretty cool. Wow. Uh, which is rare <laughs> um, for someone of his star power. He, I want to go on now. And he killed in front of about six people. Like he just wow. It was like watching a comedy class. Okay, I would like Gary Shandling. You you know he was such. I knew Gary. He was. I knew him from the Comedy Store, and I knew him from uh, Royal London's acting class. And he um, he always seemed to be searching. You know, and I love the documentary that Judd did because he wasn't the most likable person twenty four seven. They really showed him who he was. He had feebles and foes, and he was a great mentor to some and not to others. And, you know, he had contentions with people and, and you know, and he and he was an innovator and he was an original uh-huh. and he seemed one way and he wasn't, you know? I mean, Larry Sanders shows. Like... Well, I think the biggest, the biggest icon in show business that was treated probably the worst of any comedian ever was Joan Rivers. Do you think it was after she burned bridges with Johnny? Uh, oh, I think, yeah. I think they never, ever forgave her. Which is really like... And she is, of all the women comedians, she changed everything. 
you know, you, you think Moms Mabley, Phyllis Diller, Toadie Fields, oh uh, um, Elaine Boozler, you know, uh, the, all those other gals or others who did, who just, I, I saw Elaine recently at the uh, Politicon comedy, comedy thing. She was just so funny and so, you know, just brilliant. You know, all these women, I saw Felicia Michaels and Ida Rodriguez oh. and, and, uh, they were like Angela, Angela, Frangela, those two gals. Okay. Oh my God. They were so funny. And you know, I don't get to see that because they don't, number one, they don't, they rarely have people over 40 in a club. That's not a, a, a man very rarely or over 50. A lot of them, these gals are over 50. And I think the older you get, the funny you are. Oh, I'm definitely funnier than I used to Me be. Me too. Cause I don't care. Well, you know, I can go up and do whatever I want now. I don't care if they don't like it that I'm talking to the audience. I don't care if they don't like what I'm talking about. I don't care, you know, if I'm, I just don't care anymore. I, I, comedy's for me right now or to make a lot of money doing a gig. Yeah. And I mean, then I'll do what you tell me to do. The money does suck. But. Not when you get to do it, you know, a little a thing, you know, somewhere. And, you know, you get to do an event somewhere. It's really fun. I mean, I think there's just some, she, she just, you know, and you could see she never she never felt it. Even in her her documentary, thank God they did that a couple of years before she died, and thank God she got to, you know, be a part of that and be renowned for who she was. She worked so hard, <clears throat> and she was so disrespected by the male community. She was not brought along to everything. She was not, you know, um, you know, she was getting. Uh, she was. I remember. She, I think it was. I don't know who was getting one of those big comedy awards. Uh, what's the big comedy award they give to everybody? The famous, right? Uh, do you know what I mean? And somebody, and she was there in the documentary. I forgot which award it was. It's the one they do in Washington, D.C. Oh, oh right. The, not the Kennedy Center. Honors. Yeah, not the Kennedy Center. The other thing they do for comedians there, the the famous, I don't know. Oh, God, I wish I could remember everything. So, But she was there. And, and, the, and they had all these great comics there. And she was the only one of the only women. And she and Gary Shanley was there. And I think George Carlin was getting it. Okay. And and she said, I'm so happy to be here, but I'm so nervous. And she and Gary or someone said to her, Why? She said, Because I don't usually get invited to these things. And I thought, oh my God. You know, it's the same way the way Kathy Griffin is treated. I mean, this whole thing that happened with her, man, you know. I, I've known Kathy for literally, oh God, before she was on Suddenly Susan. I mean, we're not great friends or anything. We would talk on the phone occasionally and I'd see her and she was always really warm and sweet and, and everything. And she always works alone because she's she, it never works with another comedian. What do you think that is? I think it's fear because she doesn't want to compete with anybody. And now she does her shows are so long. You know, my friend of mine went to see. He said it was almost three hours. So I think that's too much for I anybody. I do too. But hers is not just a show. Now it's a show and a rant. And she has. She's another one who's created her own lane. Oh, absolutely. But I also think that this thing that happened to her has really. Uh, it was really just so unfair, and so completely. Uh, God, how many people do bad jokes? Oh, you're looking at one. Yeah, we all have done it. And just a joke that's inappropriate or bad. I mean, 
I don't know what that was about. It, it, it definitely was the president who did it because he's the one that, you know, the S- Secret Service. And I think it really has shook her to her core as a human being. And also, you know, to lose her whole career, everything she's worked for her whole life. And this is somebody who's not been, uh, it's like her specials were on Bravo. They were not on HBO or Showtime. And she should be there with the big boys. You see, big boys. I'm right. saying, you know, not, she should be there with, she's not, she's not, whether you like her comedy or not, whether you, you know, there's a lot of comedians that are just like, uh, that, like Seinfeld, brilliant comedian, my, not my style, but I still love him watching. It's like watching an artist. I may not like exactly the painting. It may not be something, but like I see what a brilliant comedian they are, how completely what an artist he is. And she's the same way. She's created this whole, this lane that didn't exist. And she took it to the next level by herself. And she should be honored for that in our business. Well, I think people like Whitney Cummings or and, and Natasha Leggero. Uh, I don't know their acts well enough. But I think they're create like, you know. They're at the beginning though. They're nowhere you know, where the other gals, because the other women are much older, you know. Right. But I mean, I think someone like Winnie is starting, she's producing, she's created two broke girls. She's, oh, she's become uh, a, she's like, she's more than just a comedian. She's she's, she's uh, become a, a brand. She's almost like P. Diddy from the standpoint of, oh she, yeah, she's got like, she'll have a, you know, a production company. company. Yeah. And, and uh, she'll have a, a perfume and a, and a, a burka bag or whatever. <laughs> but I mean, like, I think she's opening up the door for someone like Natasha, who's, oh yeah, uh, you know, doing a lot and, uh, Amy Schumer. Uh, so I think it's changing a little bit for women, but it's still a male dominated train wreck. One of the funniest movies ever. You know, I don't know about that. I think so. I think in those romantic comedies, I think she reinvented it in a way that I'd never seen before. I mean, I mean, uh, I, mean I, I respect her incredibly, but I'm, I'm not like the biggest fan. But, you know, she doesn't know who the hell I am. As an actress or as, as a stand-up comic? I mean, I think if she... Uh, she's only in her 30s. Oh, no. I, you know, you have to realize she's only in her 30s. So now she's doing drunk jokes and sex jokes. Because I wait, now she's got married, she's going to have a baby. You know, she's 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 still young and i think she's gonna surprise us oh i yeah i'm not like a I hater really do. you know yeah, I, just, I think she's i think she's really I, her talk show appearances are brilliant you know she like, just makes me laugh just out loud i mean most of my favorite comics are unknown comics you know, like eleanor kerrigan i mean she's certainly not unknown, she's terrific but like i'd rather watch her than amy schumer uh-huh. just because well i would i would say what makes you laugh and what you, you can see someone who's a brilliant technician and they're just terrific. It may, comedy is like food. I may love spaghetti and you may love steak, but they're still both valid. Oh, sure. You know, and that's the way I see it. I mean, there's certain people that you just go, I don't understand this, you know? Oh, I mean, I listen, when Amy Schumer's making $30 million a year, she's funny. You don't make that kind of money. Not just, being I think funny. she did. She touched something about women in, in a way, in the way straight guys think of women and the way they look at them you know, being a certain kind. And, and she's a girl from New Jersey, isn't she? Um, or, or She's East Coast. East Coast, yeah. She's, you know, she, you'll see her show up and she'll wear a dress where I don't think, honey, this is not working. And I'm, I, That I do like about her. She doesn't give a she fuck. She does not care. She likes that dress and she's wearing it. And I love her for that. Her tits are hanging out. Whatever it is, the hair. Stomach. The thing, whatever it is. She's just, she is who she is. And she's, she's almost like, and I hate to say this, for the lack of a better description, she'll be like a male comic. Like people will say to me, 
you know, when I first started doing stand-up because I was gay and because I build myself that way. And the only reason I did that is to sell tickets because I, I needed my hook. I needed, you know, to be where I could get my people to come because, you know, most gay men want to see Margaret Cho, Kathy Griffin, or a drag queen before RuPaul. they RuPaul before they want to see me. So my main audience doesn't come to see me a hundred percent. Your main audience comes to see you a hundred percent. You know, I don't have that. I'm the only group that doesn't have that. So I have to pull my Jewish card and I have to build my older card and I have to do everything. I'm just, for some reason, gay men are still not coming around to that. And I think um, what's really uh, been the saving grace for me is, you know, I, I think of myself as the same way. Uh, Shirley MacLaine always says, I'm a dancer. That's where I started. That's my roots. Streisand always says, I'm an actress. You think of Streisand, you say singer, you know, right? Yeah, I do, yeah. Right, you think of Seinfeld, you do think of the TV show. So you think of him more an actor on the TV show, more people saw his TV show than ever saw his stand-up. Right. So even though he's a stand-up and he's renowned for that, the audience, his fans really think of him as an actor on the TV show. So the thing that we, but he sees himself as a stand-up because that's where he is. I see myself as an actor who got really lucky and became and, and got very proficient at doing stand-up comedy. You know, and I got more well-known first for that. And when I got Birth of a Nation, people say, how did you get that? Because at the same time, I always kept up my acting career. I always studied. I spent 10 years trying to change my voice. And I changed my voice. I lowered my voice. And I because you're not going to see, when you have a higher voice and, and you have a more feminine lilt to it, you're, you don't seem powerful. And when you get older, there are very few parts for older men that aren't powerful. I stand in front of the club going in. There's always going to be somebody going, hey, can I park here? I'm not in charge. What are you asking me for? I don't, I don't work here. Yeah, but I thought, no, I don't know. <laughs> so, I was at the, the comedy festival I just did. The, 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 the usher there comes over to me and she says, here's another comic here. And he's here with his wife. Can he go in the backstage? I said, you work here. Why are you asking? I thought you were in charge. No, I'm not. Every day this happens to me. Half the parts I play, I always play people that are in charge of something, but yet they have no power. Now I'm playing people since Birth of a Nation, people who are in charge who do have power. You know, I, 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 got, I, I got an agent in New Orleans and uh, I started putting myself on tape before everybody did it. And I would put myself on tape in my dining I have the most incredible career in my dining room. <laughs> The parts that I played, you have no idea. And I put myself on tape and I was going to Ventura Harbor Comedy Club to do a set one night. And I'm in the car and the agent says, we need an audition the next day. And I said, no. The next day, and it's like a monologue and one and a big scene and another. I thought, Jesus Christ. I called the guy that was working as my assistant at the time. I said, get there at my house at nine o'clock. I did the audition. She wanted it by noon that day. Jesus Christ, right? So I, I did it. Set it off, didn't think about it. Get a call a week later. Some guy named Nate Parker wants me to come to Savannah, Georgia and meet him. I'm my own dime, of course. Flew there, frequent flyer, some shit hotel. Set it, I remember being in the hotel, you know, saying the N-word over and over and over again because oh, wow. of my dialogue, you know. What a great job. Yeah, <sighs> it is. It's in my act. And I, I, I'm saying the N-word over and over and over again. And there's a knock at the door. And she says, uh, the housekeeper goes, what's going on in there? I hear voices. I said, oh, it's just Trump. <laughs> she says, I, I hear people. That's not Trump. I said, yeah, well, just a bunch of Republicans. I'll be right out. 
Well, that's believable. <laughs> yes. So I went there. I, I, I drove, you know, I, I, I got my little shit car. I, I walked by the pool. There's a guy that looks like he's going to kill me in this little shitty hotel. There's a woman on the balcony pregnant and smoking. You know, I had to get out of there, right? I get to this uh, little mall a half hour out of Savannah, Georgia. I go to this storefront. I go in there, I, I, you know, and I'm rehearsing in the parking lot, still doing it over and over again, saying my, my lines. And some guy comes over to me and says, I know you. I have a fan in the middle of a parking lot, a half hour out of Savannah, Georgia. It was Nate Parker, the director and star of the film. And he said, he comes over and I don't know, there was something about him that just made me go, <sighs> you know, he was just so handsome and so confident. And just those people that make you feel like you're the only person in the room. And I went in there, I read, he said, do it again. But this guy's a blowhard. He's sort of funny. And I went, <laughs> Well, it's hard times at small farmers like you and myself. I did the thing. He, I did it again. I said, could I do both scenes? Because I wanted to run in. You know, I wanted a running start to the monologue. I knew. He said, sure. I did it. I left. I said, thank you. I thought I'd never get that in a million years. A white heterosexual Christian plantation owner in 1831? I don't think so. And a week later, I get a call from my agent. She says, uh, you got the part. And I said, well, what part? <laughs> She said the plantation owner, and I just broke down, started to cry, could not believe it. And it was the greatest experience as an actor I've ever had, it being a part of a film about the first black abolitionist to fight against the white slave owners, which I was one of three, and to be a part of this film and, and uh, be able to work with these kind of people and, and you know, it's like when you work with someone like Brad Garrett, you, you really asked to go, to, but this is also an incredible uh, historical film. So it was about something that it was a film made by a black man about the first black man to, to, be, to do this, to have the, 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 the courage to fight back. It was just amazing. And I remember being on the red carpets and everybody kept asking me, what do you feel? What do you feel? How do you feel about this? I said, well, you know, being a white person or a Jew or whatever in this, I said, well, what I do is I take off my shoes. I put on the shoes of my black brothers and sisters, and I just shut up and listen because it didn't happen to be. And I think people want to be heard. Oh, sure. And that's the biggest problem we have in this country is everybody wants to have an opinion about everybody else's stuff. Some people just want to be heard. That's enough. Just shut up. Stop telling me what you think, you know? Let me let let that person be heard and give people some respect. And that's what I did. Well, I feel like we should end the podcast just right there. I think so too. Let, I don't I could talk for hours with you. Uh Jason, it's it's been an honor. That's too kind. No, it's true, but like I give respect to people who deserve it. I know you it. do, and you're great. Um, you know, and I thank your manager for setting this up. Oh, thank you. I got a random phone call. I don't know how he got my number to this day. And I'm like, who? I believe Eric Day. Oh, okay. And I was just like, he was a kid. I could tell he's a character. And he's like, we'd love to have Jason on. I'm like, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't ask people like you to do this because, oh, they're just too busy. No, uh, I do them all the time. I love to do it. But for the, uh, I, I mean, asked. I'm looking at, I mean, just please. I'll give your own plug, jasonstewart.com. You'll be you'll be on it for hours. I mean, just your resume page is like, Jesus Christ. You did a movie with Jake Busey? That's crazy. Oh, yeah, I just did one recently. It's a teen comedy called Devos. I got Divas, Devos. It's about teenagers. It's like a high school musical kind of thing. 
And was he uh good I didn't work with him. Oh, okay. I, I did the table reading with him. I met him. He seemed charming. I mean, I bombed once in front of him at Larry Flint's Hustler Club, but <laughs> you know. I don't think he was looking at you. Um, <laughs> he probably wasn't. He definitely wasn't listening to me. Um, so JasonStewart.com. I usually I give out the Instagram, the Twitter, the Facebook. It's all on there. I'm gonna keep it simple for my fans just go on jasonstewart.com you can follow him on twitter instagram you can watch his hundreds of films and tv shows There's a lot of clips yeah Is become it, fans of jason ah oh, thank you you guys know me i don't vouch for a lot of people in this business wow my head's gonna be so big i can't get out the door and then i'm gonna have to go home and you know try to kill myself again just oh, don't do that well just actually if you could after I release the episode, it'll help the numbers. I will, I'm, I, I'm in. I'm the in. dear Roddy Piper, one of my best friends, uh, came on this podcast. He died a couple months uh, later. And on that day, the episode spiked like you wouldn't believe. So, well, you know, if I, anything I can do to help. Just kidding, Roddy. You're up there going, shut up, Earl. I've had two guests die. Uh, you'll be episode, I believe, <laughs> number 259. And their episodes... After they die, lucky number fifty nine. Yeah, here you go. So uh, inappropriate Earl SoundCloud and iTunes. You guys are the best. Leave a review if you haven't done so already. JasonStewart.com. Become fans of his. You know if I say that it's legit. And uh, go see him do comedy. He's incredibly yeah. funny. Yeah. Any shows coming up? That on the twenty seventh, I'm doing Wendy Liebman's show at um, uh, that restaurant that she does it. That that fancy schmancy restaurant where Robert Blake's. Uh, Killed his wife around the block. Oh, Vitello's. Vitello's, yeah, I'm doing that. And uh, then I'll be at the Laugh Factory. And uh, that's about it for now until next year. Well, follow him on Twitter. Uh, I follow him everywhere, but I, you post the most about your shows on Twitter. Like, hey, I'll always. Be, um, so everything is, it's all on my appearance page. Everything's there. It's really well worthwhile. I've bombed at Vitello's myself uh, in the upstairs room back in the day. Yeah, I wasn't, oh. you know, I was likable, but I didn't. Maybe have the best material. Not for um, that, that crowd, yeah. Uh, so, Jason, thank you. All right. Well, I become a fan of yours, too. Well, I hope so. I hope uh, we're lucky enough to perform together one day. I hope so, too. I'm gay-friendly with the, the gays love I'm me. only gay on the weekend, so it doesn't matter. Right. Well, I mean, I, I haven't run out of girls yet, but... Uh, I start Friday. I start to work it up. Saturday, I'm in there, you know, hitting it. Sunday, I have to lie down. And then by Monday, I'm moving furniture with you and some of your friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to in the episode. Take care, everybody. <laughs>